Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Robert Jackson. Thank you for tuning in to the Station Square podcast. And yeah, thank you very much for listening in to today's episode. And um, hope everybody's staying safe out there from the many viruses or whatever world shenanigans are going on today. So um, let's take a deep breather. Let's take a chill pill and let's just talk about just related stuff so today um what better person to indulge in pop culture than miss dan fan or um trish or whichever i can refer to you by throughout this <laughs> podcast episode but yeah thank you for joining me for today's little escapades <laughs> thank you for having me <laughs> no problem um would you like to just at least share a little brief bio about yourself what you do just general you know, just to break the ice so the audience can, I mean, I know that you have your own little YouTube channel, but yeah, just, um, just share what you do day to day and what does, I guess, an average day consist of for you and all that good jazz. Sure. Well, I'm, for the most part, an independent comic artist and creator, uh, writer, uh, and I do youtube videos try to do them as often as possible granted it is quite difficult <laughs> and uh basically promote my comics via youtube we have our own you know comic community on there which is very loving very uh supportive of indie creators like myself and yeah day to day it's grinding out those pages getting ready for the next project getting super stoked to, to work with new people and it's a dream <laughs> uh, now if only we can turn this into a full-time career it'll truly just be a paradise i'm sure and that's my day-to-day -day life yeah i just gotta keep on grinding like everybody else <laughs> yeah so yeah, um, I guess with that said, um, let's uh, let's just talk about stuff because yeah, that's pretty much what we do best. <laughs> so I guess the question that I usually ask is, what got you started with um, X, Y, or Z? So what got you started with comics, and I mean, I guess what got you started with like this whole YouTube um, stuff that you do? So where or how did your creative endeavors like? Where does it originally come from? Like, where did you get the inspiration that you're like, oh, hey, maybe I could do this for a living or, you know, start this as a hobby and then, you know, just make content. So where did this all begin for you? Right. Well, when I was young, I was super into cartoons, always wanted to be an animator. As it turns out, when I finally started to, like, plan out my animation career, at the time, like, 2D art was dying, and that was really what I wanted to do, is 2D traditional animation. And it just seemed like it was so difficult to find classes on it at the time. Nowadays, there's kind of been a little bit more of a resurgence of traditional animation again, but I just was not... I just was not having good timing with it, you know? So I ended up uh, falling back a bit. I started getting into comics, which is, I guess, the fallback career, uh, instead of going full into animation classes. 
and I got heavy into manga, which is, I guess, where the birth of the YouTube channel really came from. It's just me reviewing and reacting to new chapters of manga, which eventually spiked a little popularity. And, uh, yeah, eventually I, I started doing more reviews and reactions. I started talking about different news stuff that was going on with comics. And... Yeah, I, I ended up getting a good fan base that were interested in what I had to say about different topics here and there, you know, different pop culture, can't speak, topics. And I thought, hey, maybe some of these people would be interested in my own comics. Now, originally, I was like promoting my webcomics at the time, which, as it turns out, webcomics are not exactly the most ideal direction to go when you're trying to start out with comics. Uh, but I, I was lucky enough to have a surge of popularity during the time where I also learned about these Indiegogo and Kickstarter campaigns for, you know, rallying up people to donate to have your comics uh, printed. And I did do a few successful campaigns, which I'm quite proud of. Hopefully we'll do more in the future. And I got a whole website started up where I could, like, post some of my comics that were left over from said campaigns or post some comics digitally for people to buy and download and even post some free old web comics that, you know, I just want to have up there so that anyone can read what I've written or drawn or whatever. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, that's now I kind of piggyback and forth between YouTube and comics and kind of just like they both have this relationship with each other where each one is promoting one another. <laughs> my YouTube promotes my comics, my comics can promote my YouTube and so forth. But uh, more importantly, I just like having people out there who are willing to listen and give my comics a chance even if they don't like them ultimately it's good that they uh, trust me enough trust my recommendations enough that they would like give my own writing a chance and even my own art a chance even though i'm i don't know i guess i'm pretty amateur in comparison to these other comic artists and their campaigns but i've had a lot of fun doing it you know too much talking had to take it swig of water <laughs> no worries no worries um so what's your family's um so when you decided that you wanted to do all of this stuff so what's your family like behind all of this um how would you say um your family when it comes to like um i don't know supporting you with your um i guess with your job and everything that you do for like youtube and writing and everything all in between how would you say how you're yeah i guess supportive family because that seems to be something that a lot of people um not a lot but like um that seems to be a common theme when it comes to you know supporting their children when it comes to yeah you know they want to go pursue their dreams and whatnot so how would you say your family is you know when it comes to you supporting your i guess dreams and ambitions that you want to do in life 
yeah, for sure. My family it has always been pretty critical, but of course, um, they respond to actual income. So when I actually, you know, use my art or use these videos to make money and I can actually show them the money that I made, that's when they're responsive, that's when they're like, oh, okay, there's something there, maybe, you know? And, uh, you know, that kind of motivates me to keep trying and uh, keep at it so that hopefully I can, you know, show them, like, hey, look, I can also not only make money from it, but I can make a living from it. Hmm. <laughs> and that's a whole, whole other can of beans right there. But, yeah, I think anyone who wants to get into the creative field, they're just going to have to kind of put up with the possibility that they're parents might be skeptical towards it because you know a lot of people don't make it and your parents at the end of the day want what's best for you and you know they're they're not always convinced that art is going to be the most profitable for you so i get it but yeah overall i think my parents have been supportive but also skeptical Sorry about the parking. <laughs> no worries. Um, I mean, like, um, it's kind of it really is the case with a lot of like, I know that um, parents they tend to have. Um, it's not that that they don't want to support you, but it's like they kind of have their own ideal, like uh, because you know they are because like in the entertainment industry, it could be very unpredictable. So of course it's. Um, and plus, they don't want to see, you know, their kids when they go out on their own. They don't want to risk them having to be in, I don't know, um, something can happen, like being in debt or like, I don't know, um, yeah, or just some other stuff that can happen um, once you get into the creative fields. Um, I guess, especially with like, with um, writing and comics, like, I know a lot of people know that sometimes we can fall into the starving artist type of yeah mentality and also um that there's the imposter syndrome and you know these other um you know writer blocks that people t that we tend to go through when it comes to you know getting good stuff published to get a good work put out there for the world to see so um what is mm, kind of curious what's your best piece of advice when it comes to um dealing with these um with the dry spells or like whatever these feelings start to creep up on you and yeah what's your best piece of advice when it comes to dealing with imposter and you know starving artist and pretty much any everything else that i just mentioned <laughs> that's a lot to unpack but uh <sighs> yeah with my field in particular is something that you've got to take into account is this idea that um with every comic that's like you're gonna get a brief burst of income when you are making income it's not gonna be um, consi consistent weekly uh, payments not usually at least you're usually just making a burst of money when you come out with like the new comic and then for a while it stops so in a way you got to be in the mindset to make enough so that you can like make it till the next comic comes out or just you know Make enough in that burst and, uh, you know, have 
once you come out with one comic, you're already going to be focusing on the next thing and uh, looking forward to the next payment. So a lot of people kind of see the career as like this never-ending chase to always get the next thing out. And uh, sometimes it can be fun, sometimes it can be stressful. You got to learn how to balance it and just, you know, work smart. That's the big thing, I guess. Um, yeah, that's what I would say as far as, like, income. You just gotta, like, know how to space it out, know how many sales that you need to make, and prepare for that. Even if you don't make those sales, you know, prepare to, um, have something to fall back on. Plan B. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the other question that you brought up <laughs> besides but yeah the, how do you um, um yeah dealing with the feelings of like imposter syndrome and whatnot self-doubt mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> imposter syndrome oh my that's uh yep. yeah and the self-doubt yep <laughs> i you know i've going so there. many uh critiques like that where people thinking that your work is way too much like someone else's work and sometimes it's for very shallow reasons sometimes people are just like looking for something to critique of yours and that's the only way that they know how to <laughs> put your work down is to just be like oh you're just copying this other thing or you're just copying this other artist and you know for the most part my basic stance has been that there's nothing really you know, quote unquote wrong about telling the same story over and over again. It's how you do it. It's all about the execution, how good you are at it. You know, somebody can essentially tell the same story, but one can be very good and one can be very bad. So I don't try to get hung up on cliches or tropes or having a similar style to somebody else's style. I just kind of, you know, focus on adapting my own unique way of telling a story or my own unique way of uh, expressing my characters. And yeah, that's just kind of how I see it. But I, I definitely have heard other artists um, get really hung up on that, that they're like too much like someone else, that they don't stand out. There's definitely ways that you can try to make your work different and, you know, make unique and crazy stories that you don't see anyone else doing, of course. And I would never like advise against that or anything. But uh, yeah. finding a way to stand out is always going to be difficult, especially online where there's like this infinite sea of people. And, you know, <laughs> you can you can find so many different comic artists or artists in general on the Internet. And chances are, they're not going to be all completely unique. But some of them are going to be smarter than others about how they express themselves and how they uh, connect with their audience, which is another huge thing when it comes to building yourself up as a brand and building yourself up as, a, as an artist and a storyteller. is just like interacting with your audience and hearing what they think about your work and taking that criticism and, uh, you know, 
there there is no ceiling it's just like infinitely high there's there's no like um there's no point in life where you can't improve anymore you're always going to be improving you're always going to be learning new things and uh adapting it in whatever you're working on so i would say to most people don't really get hung up on being entirely unique i don't think anyone is really like completely original ideas all the time <laughs> you know we're gonna take a lot from each other and uh put our own unique spin on it and that's what is the attractive part that's what people are going to be interested in they're going to want to see how you do a story specifically rather than um looking for something entirely original that they've never seen before like you're a god that just said let there be this idea and then it just comes into existence <laughs> but yeah that's that's i guess my advice on that one yeah. and have you are you familiar with the phrase um as i know you mentioned how you almost you wanted to be an animator so have you heard the phrase um artists or animators or actors with uh because like when you're animating when you're drawing something it's kind of like um you're it's kind of like being an actor where um you're pretty much putting your own feelings and thoughts and emotions into um a character that you're creating on paper or like you're writing your own feelings on your words like emotions and you're putting it on a on uh, just essentially putting it on a solid surface i guess that's the right way to put it so do you agree with that um statement that like artists or writers or etc cetera, etc cetera, or actors with pencils do you agree with that <laughs> that is true to some extent. I remember Walt Disney was had like a acting career, a brief acting career before he actually got into the animation stuff. And you know, I am kind of the the funny kid that would make faces in the mirror just to see like different expressions I can make. And one of the most fun things that I love drawing whenever I'm drawing anything is just like the expressions on the characters themselves. So that's always something that I've had a lot of fun with. And even now, like I, I do YouTube videos and I still make funny faces in the camera that uh, people laugh at. And yeah, it is fun adapting those onto your drawings and seeing what you can do with it. So I guess to some extent it's true. I don't know how good of an actual actor I would be though. I, I I guess maybe my extent is making funny faces and funny voices, and uh, <laughs> that's about it. Put me in front of, like, an actual Hollywood camera, and I don't know how good I'd be. I think you've done skits on your YouTube channel, um, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. yeah. That oh, was, like, man. a long, a while back, though. Yeah. <laughs> Those are so embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, but, don't make uh, call yeah. you out there. <laughs> yeah, I have done little skits. Oh man! But you know, everyone starts every now and then too. It's just that you know, I never have the patience for them anymore. <laughs> I mean, everyone starts somewhere, at least. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
Uh, I mean, it's fun when you look back at some of your older work and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. But you know what? I'm glad, kind of happy that I put this out there because it shows how far I've come. Do you ever feel that way? Some of your oh, older yeah, work? Oh, yeah, for sure, for uh, sure. Uh, I remember I had someone, like, getting mad at me because I was throwing out all of my old drawings that I didn't want to see anymore because I was like, oh, it's so ugly. But their mentality on it was basically you should keep some of your old drawings because then when you compare it to your new stuff, it makes you realize how far you've actually come during uh, during all that time where you've been honing your skills. And, you know, there's always those posts online where they, like, take a picture of their super old art and then they redraw it, and it's a huge improvement, which is always fun to see. I think everyone really just likes seeing people improve on a skill that they have. Yeah, for sure. Um, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily even apply to, like, art or acting or just... I mean, it just applies to anything in general. Like, everybody is working on their craft and improving um, as they go along. It's like refining a tool, and you're refining that skill and talent that you have into and making it into something beautiful. We're just going <laughs> to use that cheesy analogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is true. It is true. Everyone has something special to add to the world. Oh yeah, for sure, for for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I actually didn't know Walt Disney. Um, like I I've researched a lot about Disney's history. I actually never knew that he had a brief acting career before actually going into animation. That's really interesting. Yeah, apparently when he was doing Snow White, the very first like actual Disney film, he would like act out all the roles in front of all the animators so that they like knew the uh, emotions and the impressions to give on the characters they were drawing. Which is really it's really fun to see if you like look back at those old clips. I'm a little bit of a Disney fanatic, I'll admit that much. <laughs> I mean, so am I. And yeah, that's something that I mean, people still, I'm not sure if they do it as frequently now, but no, back in the day, it was like, um, yeah, like, directors and artists, they would literally act out entire scenes for the animators to reference, and then, um, but then they just pretty much do their own little unique magic and just bring those characters to life in their own unique ways, so, um, it's really interesting when you watch the documentaries about how movies back in the day were made and what was the behind the scenes process and um see how you know all of these movies came to be and they came to fruition <laughs> yeah it all it always takes a lot of work a lot of passion a lot of love oh, to yeah. make something really great mm -hmm. and it does so i do often um recall like um, for your stories, like when you're writing out scenes or when you're, um, like you have these characters, you have these settings, you have the plot, the synopsis, and you have all of this stuff. So when it comes to actually sitting down and writing, you know, the lines and whatnot, do you often, um, do you, do you recall or do you put some of your own personal life experiences, like with the characters, um, because I know that a lot of artists tend to base characters off of somebody they know. They base it off of themselves. So is it really the case with you when it comes to, you know, when you're um, creating your own stories and whatnot? 
based on life experiences. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just original stories that you just just came up with one day and just decided to like, okay, might as well just put this out there, I guess. <laughs> so how is your little writing process like? Out of curiosity. Well, usually it starts off with just like these brief bits of ideas. Most of the time, it's not even like a full idea, right? It's just these little bits and pieces that I kind of write down and store for later. And then at some point, you know, you come up with a full idea, a full plot for something. And you write it down while you still have the inspiration for it, of course, because you don't want to lose it. <laughs> And at some point, you just refine it and refine it till you have a decent outline to work off of. And, you know, most comic writers, they go to writing scripts. I don't really write scripts anymore. I usually go straight to just drawing out the pages and writing it as I draw out the pages. And then I go back, I uh, export all the pages the draft sketchy pages and you know I read it over and I'm able to like refine it and refine it some more and uh, edit it down, edit down the add pages, subtract pages, figure out where to move panels and figure out the dialogue. Dialogue can be a very tricky part of the writing process but hopefully I'm getting better at it as the years go by and uh, yeah then then once you get like a draft that you feel would work as a story, you actually go in and start lining it all up and making it look pretty. And then, boom, it's a comic and it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but of course, if I'm, if I'm working with another artist, I'll just be handing them like the final drafts and they'll be the ones uh, making it look pretty for me. And then I'll add in all the dialogue later. But yeah, for the most part, that's kind of how my process goes. I know a lot of people have different processes. Uh, some people like organic writing where they write it on the spot. And my way is kind of organic, but I'm also working off of a real outline. So I know what scene is coming next after what scene. I just don't have the itty bitty details of it down, like what the characters are going to say or what exactly, you know, they're going to gesture with their hands or, or how they're going to move from scene to scene. But I know what scene to scene looks like. And I feel like that's all I really need to get started. Uh, but yeah, people work differently, for sure. Uh, my way not might not always work for somebody else. So I would say for other writers out there, if you're looking to get into writing your own comics, you know, experiment a bit. Uh, see what feels best for you. And uh, how much editing you're willing to put up with to it down to the final version because it takes a lot of editing and refining for me but I always feel comfortable with doing that much editing to get it down to what it eventually becomes so that's just my method so would you consider yourself to be a self-taught type of individual or um, because I know you mentioned that um, you almost went to school for like animating or like if you have like 
Yeah, if you did go to like with um, you know the education that you've uh, had to learn, um, what was something that really stood out to you? What was something that you've the biggest piece of a not advice, but like what was the biggest lesson that you've learned during this whole process of I guess self improvement when it comes to your own work? I guess just don't be dragged down and. Uh... You know, like self-doubt is really the biggest crippling thing when it comes to anyone working in the creative field. It's just that feeling like, oh, I can't do it. I'm just not talented enough. I should just give up. It's, I think, like, you gotta kind of get over those feelings and actually work to be good enough. And uh, if you're willing to put in the time and effort for learning anything, you can do it. That's just like how humans are built. We can learn, we can figure things out along the way, but you got to be willing to put in the time. It'll never happen instantly for anyone. To some extent, I almost regret uh, not knowing what I wanted to do for most of high school because I would have loved to get prepared as I could be during high school and then, you know, on to a bit of college that I did do and be more prepared so that I didn't have to continue to spend more and more years preparing for an actual comic creating career. And part of it is also because of self-doubt because I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into art because I wasn't sure if it was a good career for me or if I was going to see a payoff for it. And because of it I just wasted a lot of time not being sure of myself. And that all of that time that I was so like caught up in my own head, I could have just been getting better. I could have improved a ton. And you know, now we're, we're years, years past that. And uh, I dedicated uh, another couple years to actually improving on my art and my writing to a point where I'm fairly satisfied with it. But you know, it, it's just that, that realization that I could have been improving during high school, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of this because I was too scared to actually dedicate time to work on it. I was too scared that I wasn't good enough and therefore would never be good enough. And that's not how that works actually in real life. You have to actually work to be good enough. Nobody's just gonna have that, you know, natural talent as soon as they come out of the womb just be a fantastic artist everyone has to learn everyone has to dedicate that time so yeah i i guess the biggest advice that i would give people is to just not get in your own head too much just don't be disgruntled you gotta keep at it if it's really what you want to do then you gotta commit to it and uh commitment is a long long thing you when you commit to something you're committing to it for life so you gotta be prepared to keep at it for years and improve but improve very slowly <laughs> you know how it is uh yeah that's the that's the main advice that i think has been good for me nope um i absolutely agree because stuff like this takes a it takes a while. That's all I'm going to say. It it takes a while. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, do 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 do. And um how is it like being um in 
guess you mentioned school earlier, so how would you say that your school experience was like? My experience in college was not as bad as other people that I know. Granted, I went to like, I went to the first college I ever went to, I actually ended up uh, not going there full, I like, I went there for a week, right? And then uh, dropped out, not because of any like, not because of any drama per se, but just because there was a, a weird thing where the school policy was very bizarre where they like didn't want you to go to their campus if you were depressed because they didn't want you committing suicide on their campus <laughs> their precious campus or something and I, I told one of the teachers I was depressed and they wouldn't let me back in so I had to drop out and then I ended up going to a different college a community college that was much better in my opinion uh, granted, I only went to the first college for like a week, so who knows? <laughs> who knows if they're actually as good as they say? And uh, the, my community college was very good, I, I'll say that much. Teachers, very nice to the students, very helpful. Uh, but I, I also know people who have gone to other colleges where the exact opposite is true, where like teachers are very hostile towards you and nobody really gets along, everyone's after each other's necks, and yeah, that just sounds horrible. <laughs> but I was, I was very fortunate to go to a decent college. And yeah, for people out there who do want to go to uh, college, I would say, you know, get to know, <laughs> go with friends or get to know people there first to know what you're getting into, I guess. Because some places are, are not fantastic <laughs> but no my college was great it, it was and i only went there for uh, two years to get my multimedia degree and the plan from there was to transfer to eventually get into like 2d animation and get a degree in that but i never ended up transferring because i kind of switched my outlook and instead started looking towards doing comics and doing youtube which I guess I had a degree in, since it's like multimedia. I don't know. I guess it counts. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how my college years looked like. They were mostly just a, a grind to get to the degree, but it was fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was a nice time. Just like chill classes, hanging out, making friends and doodling or doing physics or whatever class I had on that day. And uh, yeah, it wasn't too terrible. It's... Yeah. Um, before college, how was it like being in, I guess, elementary, middle, high school? <laughs> yeah, all my school years. Oh, boy. The school years, yep. <laughs> Uh, I remember high school being the most miserable for me, maybe just because of all the hormones going on. I, I don't know. I think high school is, like, hard for a lot of people, really. But, uh, I, I had difficulty making friends. You know, I was the quiet kid in class, and not that I never talked to anyone, but, uh, the people that I did talk to were seldom few. And uh, I knew a few other artists, other people who wanted to do comics, which is fun. 
I remember in elementary school and middle school, I would doodle up some, you know, not so great looking comics and I'd pass them over to other people in my class and we'd like kind of exchange our stories, which I think is fun. Uh, it'd be nice as an adult even to um, get a writing group together of friends where you can just pass stories with each other and get some opinions. I guess I still do that with some of my newer comics when I have like a final draft or a first draft that I want somebody to read to get their opinion on it. I'll pass it over to a friend and that's always super helpful to get another another person's uh, uh, perspective on your story to see what they're thinking and how everything is coming across. But uh, yeah, elementary school and middle school I guess it's kind of the eh, kind of the same. Fab's <laughs> mostly the quiet kid, um, but I would say that probably elementary school and middle school were better than high school. Probably, um, high school. It's always ah, always such a hassle. I always found uh, college to be way easier too than high school for whatever reason maybe it was just like the teacher's attitude towards me or maybe it was just because the stuff i was learning was just easier but um i don't know maybe it was just because I, of the college that i was going to maybe they just dumb everything down for me <laughs> for me in particular but uh yeah people often say that college is difficult and that got me super stressed when i was a teenager but when i actually went to college it just felt like a relief that it was actually way easier <laughs> then again what what am i talking about i got an art degree so i guess i have no room to talk but uh yeah there there you go there are my school days <laughs> Nothing uh, particularly, I guess, notable. So let's talk about talk about YouTube. So, um, how was it like when you first got started on YouTube? Did you really expect for it to really take off, um, really get your name out there, and you would um, actually make a career off of being a content creator, creator and whatnot? Oh no, I don't think anyone really expects it to happen. I mean, some yeah. people like want to be YouTubers. They see that career choice and they're like, mm, yes, that's for me. I want a very easy job on YouTube where I can just make videos about whatever. And, you know, any job has some some form of difficulty alongside of it. There's no job out there that's going to be easy all the time. But when I first started YouTube, it wasn't with the idea of, ooh, I could be a super famous YouTuber. It was more so with the idea of, ooh, I have a new camera on my laptop. I'm going to make a funny video. <laughs> it, was, it was more so for, like, the fun and less about the fame. And, uh, you know, once I saw that, like, I was actually getting higher numbers than um, most people posting for fun would get, I saw it as like kind of an opportunity, like, oh, maybe I can ask these people if they want to read my comics. <laughs> and that kind of uh, started with that. But yeah, doing YouTube as like a 
a full-time thing with trying to post, you know, like every day a week, that can be quite difficult. Uh, especially if you're doing all the video editing yourself. Like, there's a good reason uh, why YouTubers tend to uh, do multiple videos in one day and hire, like, editors and schedule posts so that it's posting every day. If, you, if you're not posting frequently, YouTube's algorithm has a tendency to knock you out of the suggestions, so people can get really stressed trying to get those videos out there. I've definitely seen people uh, crack under the stress and end up taking like really long breaks from YouTube or quitting it entirely just because they have no ideas for videos and uh, they don't, they they just can't get them out or they have like obligations with the family and they just don't want to deal with um, the stress of all of a sudden their newer video getting less views because they didn't upload for a few days and YouTube stopped suggesting their name to other people on YouTube. So yeah, any job, any job really is work at the end of the day. And I definitely fall under the stress myself when it comes to posting videos. Um, I always feel like I need a break or, you know, just time to breathe. So sometimes I won't post every day. I still try to, like, post as frequently as I can. But, yeah, I, sometimes my videos are not as high quality as other videos of mine. And part of that is just because I'm under that stress and under that pressure of, Oh, I gotta get the video out there, otherwise, you know, I'm gonna get lower views on the next video because I didn't post in a while. And so there's like definitely a roller coaster of quality with any YouTube channel you watch where like some videos are not edited as well, or some videos it sounds more like uh, the YouTuber in question knows what they're talking about and sometimes they don't really know what they're talking about because they didn't have time to research it or or didn't have time to articulate their thoughts or write a script or whatever the reason may be. But yeah, YouTube overall has been fun though. I think the people who do watch my videos consistently are a good group of like about a thousand people and they also tend to like join me every week for the live streams that I, I try to do every week and I think people enjoy those of course because they can actually talk more directly to me and I can talk about things that they want to hear on the channel that maybe I didn't post about but that I wouldn't mind talking about with them I think that's another thing, is that people feel like you're more of a human when they can actually talk to you and have you respond back. So live streams are good for that also, so that they don't just feel like you're a television actor that that's just like amateur. <laughs> it's, it's more of a, a blog, I guess, YouTube. And uh, it's also part of the appeal of YouTube, is that they're just like people having fun, and you get to watch them and join in on the uh, the positivity or the critiques or whatever the video is about. So, 
I enjoy that part of YouTube. And uh, I enjoy the, the people who consistently watch. It's, it's fun. It's own little way. But it's also work. Yeah. And um, how much would you say that, like, um, I know you've made videos about this, but uh, for critique and constructive criticism, um, how much would you say can definitely improve a person's, um, guess, them as a YouTuber or just can really improve a person's work? Like, what type of videos they're doing, what, um, you know, comics they're doing, or just in general with whatever um, career path that you are pursuing how much would you say that constructive like i guess critique can really help a person grow and improve their own unique special way yeah constructive criticism plays a huge part i mean like the worst thing for uh, an artist or a writer is not getting any feedback not hearing anything from anyone or just like having people shrug or say meh or i don't know or i guess it's okay not they're not like actually analyzing your work they're not actually thinking about it any deeper and i think that's the worst thing for them is when they can't really get any feedback so when you have can when you have like more critical feedback or people saying that this is bad or that's bad it may be demoralizing for a lot of people especially if it's like all at once or or someone saying the entire premise or the entire comic is bad but it is also important to know what other people are thinking and you know not everyone might agree which is why it's always good to get different opinions varying opinions uh, but you don't want someone to suck up to you and keep their thoughts to themselves and more importantly when somebody doesn't like something you should listen to find out why it is they don't like something because why they don't like something is more important than the fact that they don't like something i find because it could be an issue that you could solve it could be something that you could fix and you just don't know until you are open enough to listen to them and if you can fix a problem that somebody has with your art or with your comic or with your story then that's another audience member that you could have that's another fan a potential fan that you could have of your work um but yeah the internet definitely will make it difficult to receive criticism i think people have a tendency to be uh, more defensive because especially when you're getting a lot of criticism at once, it feels like the whole world has turned against you and everything is hopeless, all hope is lost, I can never be good at something. But it's not true. Anyone can improve, anyone can make a, a glorious comeback, even from a big failure. And I, I do believe that with anyone. I have really harshly critiqued stuff in the past. I mean, my videos, some of my videos, even I look back at and I'm like, whew, I didn't think I was that hard on them, but actually watching the video again, I'm like, oh man, I was really harsh. <laughs> but I, if that, if that same person whose comic I didn't like were to write another comic that I really did like, I would applaud them. I wouldn't be like, angry that they got better but i'm always for people getting better and improving 
and some people will get better and some people will just stagnate and stay the same because either they refuse to listen to criticism or because they never get any feedback because they just don't know what other people think. So it is important to get that criticism. It's also important to know like what you do right in some cases. It's, it's good to have a little positive um, every now and then from a fan so that you can be motivated to keep at it and keep working on it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there's more negative on the internet than there is positive, so <laughs> you, you kind of make sure uh, you don't read into it too much. And uh, it's hard to stay motivated, of course. I don't always have the best advice for staying motivated. All I can really say to people who are trying to do their best is keep trying, you know, don't get disgruntled just because people don't like something. You should be happy to get any feedback back because some people don't get anything. Some people have no idea what to do to improve their work. And some people will go their whole lives getting no views on like their webcomic that they posted years ago. And it's brutal. So, yeah, that's, those are some of my thoughts on that. How much would you say that having a social media presence can also, like, um, help, I guess it's good for, like, marketing, promoting your stuff, and, like, what are some of the pros and cons of using social media? Yin oh, yeah. and the yin. Social media is definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said before, at some some points it can demotivate you or it can get you in this mindset of being constantly anxious and always checking your phone to see if somebody else liked or commented or, you know, somebody shared something of yours because you really want stuff to start happening all the time, especially when you're in the, in the creative work and you need stuff to happen. So you're like constantly anxious about something happening, someone noticing you. And that can not be good for your mental health, for sure. Uh, but the thing about social media is the more often you post, the more often somebody is, uh, more likely someone is able to actually find your work and, and find you and follow you. So a lot of people have a rule of thumb of posting every day or at least every week just so that you can keep consistently uh, showing people your work and showing people what you've done. Um, you know, there, there are also, you know, <laughs> we're in 2022, we have advanced technology. What people like to do is schedule out posts throughout the week so that, you know, they sit down one day and just schedule out all these posts to automatically happen throughout the week but they will personally take a break from social media. They won't actually look at their social media or look at the posts that, that's coming out because it'll be too stressful or too anxiety-inducing for them to always be in that mindset of, I gotta keep checking, gotta keep checking. And, uh, well, you know, also the negativity online is demoralizing in a lot of cases. So, there's that. 
throughout my own experience, social media is a godsend, though, when it comes to getting people to actually notice you, whereas, um, there are other more traditional ways of getting your art out there without the internet, of course, but it's never going to be as effective because you can reach so many people online. So YouTube has definitely been a great way for me to get noticed uh, by making these videos and having little ads at the end of the videos linking people to like my website or whatever comic I'm trying to fund or, you know, whatever project I want to tell them about at the time. And I also do posts on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Minds and other social media accounts uh, occasionally. I'm trying to get a little bit better at it, actually, with um, posting more of my actual artwork. Trying to do like a fan art post every week and that's like my goal right now so that people can see more of my art um, so they know what to expect if they were to pick up a comic that was drawn by me they'd have like all this portfolio of mine when it comes to other artworks I've done and it's of course it's also easier for people to find you if you're doing fan arts because if someone's a fan of something that you're making uh, an art for, they'll uh, find it through the hashtag and then they'll find your channel. And if they like it, then you got a follower. And then you can also be promoting your comic to that new person now. And that's great, of course. <laughs> but yeah, social media, double-edged sword. You gotta know when to use it, how to use it, and when to walk away. <laughs> Gotta know when to hold them and when to fold them, basically. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I think it's pretty safe to say that most people in the creative industry these days basically have to have a social media to promote yourself because it's very difficult to get yourself out there without it. Not that it's impossible, it's just more difficult and Anything creative that you're doing, there is a line of people who want to do it also. There's a whole lot of competition out there. So you kind of have to make sure that you're not behind anyone. You're all on the same playing field. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my view on social media. Know when to use it and know when to drop it. So going back to earlier, um, you said that you watched a lot of cartoons and you've been exposed to all different sorts, sort of type of media. Um, so what would you say are favorite cartoons, like TV shows, movies, games, books, just comics and just favorite pieces, favorite media in general? And who are some of your favorite characters from said property? Oh my media. gosh, there's so many. I could go on a nostalgia rant. Well, obviously, I'll mention the obvious one. Um, my username, DanFan, it's actually based off of uh, a show that I was super into as a kid, Danny Phantom. And that's kind of where the username came from when I was just a, a little girl on the internet <laughs> making my, my YouTube account. 
I used the name Danfan and it just kind of stuck for this long. But it's a nice reminder of uh, the cartoons that I grew up loving and how I actually got into making my own uh, cartoons and comics. Uh, I also, of course, you know, I loved a lot of stuff on Nickelodeon. My Life as a Teenage Robot, Invader Zim. Um, I, Fairly Odd Parents, that's the, an obvious one that um, went on for a little bit too long, but I, I still would say that I, I liked the early seasons of that one a lot. And there was also a bunch of classic Cartoon Network shows that people will point their fingers to. Teen Titans was a big one for me. Even uh, a lot of Disney Channel shows, Kim Possible was fantastic. Oh my gosh. And of course, I also was growing up around the time when the Disney Renaissance was happening, which are some of the best movies ever to have come from Disney. They're so great, so wonderful, and there's so much inspiration that you can pull from works like those. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, but yes, for sure, I could go on a whole list. And all, all the shows I mentioned have big audiences behind them that are still very loyal to those shows and to this day. Which is why there are, I guess, so many reboots happening. People want to bring those shows back and capitalize on the fame, but for me, I kind of feel like a lot of them are just lightning in a bottle. Just something that can't be recreated because inspiration that existed back then is just maybe not there anymore or maybe like creators and writers have moved on to different styles and different types of comedy different types of writing i've definitely noticed a lot of modern cartoons capitalizing on more of um uh i don't know what it would be called these days that would be like the correct terminology for it but it's kind of like quick fast-paced comedy like a, a very quick comedy very random quick jokes and that's fine there's definitely a, a place for that i do feel somewhat burned <laughs> that a lot of uh the cartoons that i loved growing up aren't necessarily being replicated in a lot of modern day cartoons um it's it's just products of their time that may never may never be recreated again but that always makes them that much more special in my heart so no worries there <laughs> yeah and do you also have any other favorite franchises and favorite characters favorite franchises interesting question um, I mean, I've been super into the Sonic movies recently. <laughs> Sonic is something that I was not into for a while. And with the Sonic movie coming out, and of course Sonic 2 coming out this year, I've kind of like rekindled that love <laughs> of uh, Sonic. And I feel like a lot of people will agree with me on that one. Uh, very, very nostalgic having uh, those movies do their best to recapture the the feelings of uh, that you got when you were playing the games and watching Sonic X on 4Kids channel, whatever it was at the time. 
Um, other franchises, I'm not super sure. There's a lot of... Yeah, I'm not super sure. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, think of new ones, but I can't say for certain that there's too many new things that I enjoy as much as, uh, old things. I don't mean to sound like an old person when I say that either. I'm not even, I'm not even an old woman, but I guess people always have uh, more love towards things that play to their childhood nostalgia. Oh yeah, and favorite characters? Favorite characters of all time. Well, Kim Possible is a very obvious one for me. I, I, I too, I love her design and I just love her attitude in general. Just that positive, yes, you can do it if you put your mind to it attitude. Something that a lot of kids should have when they're growing up. It's just that idea like, yeah, if I try to do something, I can do it. It is possible. <laughs> it's always good stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of characters in anime that also have that same mindset of uh, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Good, good motivating characters like um, um, Izuku from My Hero Academia or Luffy from One Piece or, you know, uh, basically all the shonen characters, I guess, now that I mention it. <laughs> but yeah, I like those character types. Uh, they make me feel motivated and also happy, and that's something that I need in life. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, let's see, are there any modern shows that you could recommend to people that you're currently watching now? Uh, definitely a lot of anime that came out recently, and that's super good. Uh, this month in particular, Spy X Family. Is fantastic. Love after world domination is quite funny. Um, uh, American cartoons. I did enjoy the Cuphead show for the most part. Maybe not as much as you know <laughs> my nostalgic cartoons when I was growing up, but I did think it was okay. And there's a bunch of other. Uh, more modern American cartoons that I've been meaning to check out, but just haven't yet, of course. Uh, granted, you know, I guess anime has mostly been taking up a lot of my attention, <laughs> as is the the thing with uh, most people who are my age and still are into cartoons and comics, but are looking for something that more so... I guess, I guess fits their age group, something a little bit more mature. So they're looking towards a lot of more adult anime and adult comics, and I guess that makes sense. But uh, I still love watching kids' stuff. I still like watching things that were made for kids and not necessarily made for me. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like a love of family content in my heart in general. I mean, you know, I enjoyed the Sonic movies, which were clearly made for a younger audience, but they were good. <laughs> they're, they're decent enough family movies for me to enjoy them. So. Yeah. 
Is there anyone in particular who have inspired you to pursue this creative path? Just in general, it could just be in your life or just, you know, the, the list of occupations that you currently do. Right, right. I mean, the big inspiration, I guess, would be my boyfriend, Adam, who is the one who mostly convinced me to uh, really try to capitalize on the YouTube and the comic making and, you know, try to make something of it while I was still going through those feelings of self-doubt and uncertainty. He was the one who was like, no, you have something here. You can do it. You just got to keep at it. And, you know, like I said, I've always found like that, that old positive, you can do it attitude as a very attractive feature to have in any character, <laughs> real life or otherwise. And he was kind of that person for me that was motivating me to keep, keep at it and actually make something out of it even if you're doubtful now if you you just keep doing the same old work keep doing the grind you'll eventually you know get rewarded for your hard work and it's good to see that it the numbers have been growing and just so long as i did keep um keep posting or keep making comics the audience grows naturally <laughs> and yeah it's you know it's scary to think of all the people out there who just give up because they don't think they can do it and they don't actually try at all so it's good to know that I've tried and know that I've gotten places because of that so that's great yeah and um Let's talk about your work once again. So what are some of your favorite videos that you've put up on your channel? What are some of the most popular? And um, same can go to your comics or just pretty much any piece of content that you've done so far. Oh, yeah. I, I've made a few videos that have gotten quite popular. I don't know what my personal favorite might be. I might like the critiques the best just because I have a lot of fun analyzing something that I enjoyed or something that I really didn't enjoy so that I can uh, further explain that to people and uh, uh, writing advice of course is also like a thing but uh, I feel like during a lot of my writing advice videos maybe I'm not as articulate as it could be some of them I like more than others I know, I know people have their own specific video of mine that they would call their favorite. Uh, Adam, actually, he likes my one video that I did on the breast envy, which is very, very not about comics really at all. Or <laughs> It's vaguely about a comic character that was picking up a lot of steam, but it was genuine video that I just kind of sat down no script just started talking about like my opinions on the whole thing and my experiences with uh, that type of person who would uh, be overly critical or overly angry about something like that like that particular topic <laughs> and um, 
So he really liked that one. He says that one's probably my best one. Some people will say that um, ones that I did on the anime um, industry are some of my best ones. But yeah, I'm not particularly sure. I've always enjoyed doing the reviews and critiques the best. I don't know if anyone, I don't know if any of my viewers would say that those were my best videos. There's definitely a lot of videos that I've put out there that are, of course, like embarrassing to me or videos that I feel like maybe it wasn't as good. Maybe it wasn't my best work. Maybe I shouldn't have posted that. And there are comics like that too, where I put them out there because I'm, I have that mentality of, well, I got to finish this at some point. I can't just have an unfinished comic on my computer forever. I put it out there and I'm not really happy with it where it is right now. I feel like I should have like been editing it or refining it a bit more. And so I'm a little bit disappointed, even if other people like it, you know, in my eyes, it's not as good as my other stuff, which is also like difficult when you have that feeling of uh, not liking something that you put out yourself, even if other people like it. You have that self-critique, you know? But yeah, my f as far as my comics put out right now, I guess my favorite that I've done so far is uh, Ellie the Eliminator. That one has been fun. That's a very lax comic too, because that one is basically me putting my love of children and family cartoons into my own little uh, comic story for kids. And I like the characters and it's fun to draw and it's simple to draw and I can get them done fast too. It's like I did three issues of that comic in basically just a year, maybe a year and a half for three issues, which isn't isn't too shabby in the comic world. So that was that was a good one. I also know that uh, a lot of friends who have given that comic to really enjoyed it. And uh, I actually dedicated uh, the collection to my two nieces, which I named the robot characters after Ellie and Maddie. So that was nice to be able to also give the book to them and hopefully give them some entertainment of uh, their own for when they're, I guess, I guess they can read it now, but assuming that they can't read every word now, maybe when they're old enough to read it on their own, they'll enjoy that also. Yep, so um, you also have two other websites. Um, there's the burningstarcomics.net, and you also got the subscribe star, which um, I guess you might as well just self-promote, like, um, join the fan club or what have <laughs> you. But, um, yeah, then for the Burning Star comics, um, I've read some of your um, comics that are kind of listed for free. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. So, um, yeah. Um, and uh, so for each of the comics, like, um, at least the freebies that are listed there. I mean, you can talk about, talk about some of the other ones, but, like... Um, where do the ideas really come from for each of them? Is it kind of going back to what you said earlier? Like, um, they just sort of come to you, you base it on your personal experiences, or 
at just the thought process for each one of the post comics that you put up on your website on the burning star comics.net at least uh yeah there's a lot of different inspirations for inspirations for each of them different ones so is it like different inspirations or is it mostly kind of like it's all based it kind of falls under like a similar like pattern or is it like kind of the same or is there different inspirations for like each of them that you put out for every single one that you do so it doesn't right. like it's not like similar or like it's copying one another you know <laughs> it's good to have variety and you know versatility when it comes to this type of stuff right well obviously like um a comic like uh what did it what was it called nice guy nice guy's guide to getting women obviously that one's more of a, a short joke short burn definitely made to be a webcomic type idea and i actually did that one as part of a challenge like a five hour comic challenge so i did that comic in about five hours and that was uh I guess that's an accomplishment in and of its own, but <laughs> so that one was kind of just a rushed idea of uh, a one-note joke of just this quote-unquote nice guy who's not good at getting women, but is trying to give you advice to get women because they're overly confident and think that they are actually good at it when they're not. And, like Johnny uh, Bravo, then. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's like simple idea that just comes from a single joke that I expanded to be a slightly longer comic. I mean, I think it's only like three pages, but you know, I I made it into like a, a rule of threes type joke where it's the same joke, but it's approached at a different angle. But it has like kind of the same punchline of him just being creepy. And uh, then there are other stories that are a lot more, there's a lot more thought put into them, like Absent-Minded, which had like this whole story and an ideal like magic system. Although granted, I don't usually ever, whenever I bring up magic, I don't usually have a full-on system written out. I just kind of go off of uh, the idea of soft world building. But that one had a lot more thought put into it, a lot more um, different character characterizations and uh, arcs that they actually go through. And that one was more so inspired off of like the like a short for the Twilight series type thing, where it's like a short story with kind of an ironic ending or some kind of twist, and. Then, um, I don't even remember what was the inspiration for Kitten in the Clouds. I think I just drew a kitten and just, like, organically kept drawing the next panel and then ended it. <laughs> and then there's the blindfold, which is obviously a little bit a more of a darker theme of, um, I guess, you know, absent-minded is kind of dark too, but it's more of a, a theme this idea of an abusive relationship and being in denial of your abuser and it's something that I felt like at the time wasn't really talked about as much is the fact that there are also you know female abusers out there and they abuse their 
male spouses and I've had experiences myself like watching uh, men being abused by their girlfriends or wives and I always felt bad for them basically. I, I always felt like it's a shame that people don't talk about that at all and that was kind of the inspiration behind uh, coming up with the plot of the blindfold. Granted, I got a lot of really different feedback when I was doing drafts of that story, and not, I'm not really sure if the end result was as good as it could have been. That's another one of those comics where, like, <laughs> I feel like it could have been better if I had just, like, refined it a bit more. But yeah, definitely different inspirations that turn into different stories. Uh, I'm always, you know, you pull from different experiences and uh, different things that you view in life, whether it be you reading some funny nice guy post on Reddit or watching the Twilight series or just having experiences that you don't hear other people talking about as often. You pull from everything in your life, everything that you view in life, and uh, comic series will sometimes spawn from that. That's kind of uh, what it all comes down to. Nice. So, um, if you had the opportunity, would you like to pursue an animation career even more if you had the... Yes, the time or the patience for it, because animation does take a lot of time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't actually know if I would be um, super interested in doing hands-on animation nowadays, just because I, I don't want to, like, um, I don't want to say held back, but <laughs> I know that animation takes a really long time. I've always been an anxious person, and even when I'm working on comics, I'm very anxious to have them done and have them out there. I feel like if I was going to work on an animated project, I'd feel a lot more relaxed being either like a storyboarder or a writer than an actual tweener, like drawing out the individual frames. <laughs> because my god, the stress. I have done like short animations on my own, and even those, they just, they take a while to do. And I'm not always really happy with the result because, well, you know, I never actually went to college for animation. I, I didn't actually, like, um, go dive into that career completely. But, I mean, I would still be 100% down with being involved in animated projects. I just never built up that talent for actually doing animation and being able to do it quickly. I spent all my time learning comics, which is a similar skill, but not exactly the same. So, uh, I'll put a maybe uh, as the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, and it also says, says on your Twitter bio that um, you sort of, you are a songwriter, amateur songwriter, so um. Uh, yeah, so tell us a little about, like, writing songs and just making music. And would you like um, to also pursue that in the foreseeable future? Please uh, explore a little bit more of it if you have the chance and the time for it. 
Right. Tell us about uh, the song and music. Yeah. Yeah. The music I did was also like, for the most part, during my high school years where I was once again super unsure of myself didn't know what i wanted to do so i found all kinds of creative outlets that i was like i guess experimenting with uh and songwriting was one of them i did learn how to play the guitar through my dad and through youtube videos i guess and uh, i've written a few songs i've even performed a few on my channel although it doesn't really fit with the theme of comics and animation, they're up there. Um, and, you know, there are some that I uh, had on my old channel that, like, got deleted, and uh, people still every now and then bring up, like, old songs of mine that they want me to re-upload, but I would have to, like, just re-record them to get them up there. And I have not played the guitar in a while now, I guess, because I've kind of just you know, been focusing on one thing for once, whereas when I was doing a lot of songwriting, it was during a time where I was not focused on really anything, funny enough. <laughs> but, yeah, so I wouldn't really be super interested in pursuing a career in songwriting per se, but I don't mind uh, creating a song for like maybe um, a trailer that I want for a comic of mine because, you know, every now and then I'll do like an animated or a, a comic dub for uh, a comic of mine so that people can have like a little trailer to view on YouTube before they actually go to check out the comic, which I feel like helps <laughs> to get people interested in it. And yeah, I've I wouldn't mind like doing songs for those types of videos, but I don't know if I really want a career in songwriting per se. I will chalk that up to just being a hobby. It's something I can do, but not something that I would do for a living. Okay. That's totally understandable. So, uh, do 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 do. How do you juggle in between, like, you know, your personal life and just everything that you do with literally all the jobs that you have right now? Oh my gosh, it's quite yeah. difficult, but, you know, there's, yeah, where a lot of, a lot of the time you just gotta make time, you just gotta, like, make it work, um, yeah, a lot a lot of the time when I'm just taking a break, I'll just be over uh, my boyfriend's house hanging out, and we'll also do work together, like we'll just be in the same room on our laptops working on whatever we have to do. Uh, so, like, you know, nothing is late or nothing is completely unfinished, but it's definitely, it definitely makes things a little slower when you have to juggle multiple things at once can also, once again, be demoralizing and make you anxious. But for the most part, I've been able to make it work. Um, kind of my soft rule is not feeling like I have to upload or post during the weekends. I kind of view the weekend as my time to just relax or at least prepare bit for the crazy week that will follow and lucky that is something that I can do 
but you can never really predict life. Sometimes your schedule gets super thrown off course and you just gonna have to power through it. I, I do try to keep as organized as I possibly can. I usually keep a, a to-do list on me, actually. I'll write down stuff that I have to do during the day or during the week and try to get it all done. I'll, you know, be writing down goals and try to achieve said goals. And usually, for the most part, uh, I achieve them. Uh, I, I usually am only writing down achievable stuff. Like, I, I never really put down crazy goals. Like, make 2,000 in a week or anything like that, but for me that kind of just helps me organize my brain, which helps me de-stress, because it feels productive to be organized or to organize something, at least for me, at least. Uh, <laughs> but I guess I'm not super great at juggling, so I don't know if I would ever give the best advice for that. The only advice I really can give is try to be organized and try to make time for your personal life as well, because you don't want to be too stressed, too anxious, uh, especially if you're doing a lot of online posting. Once again, the whole social media is a double-edged sword type thing. You gotta know when to relax also. Otherwise, you're just gonna be a big ball of stress forever, and that's not gonna help you get anything done. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how has the pandemic really changed, I guess, your work ethic, your personal life? And I mean, I might as well just ask, how has the last, how has been, you know, these last two years treated you since the beginning of this um, ever so present um, looming threat of COVID? Now we are living in, I guess, the new time. So how has it been treating you and how has it affected, I guess, you know, where you work and whatnot? Right. It didn't affect me too much in the beginning because most of my work was done at home. But yeah, over over time, it started to really get into my head of not being able to really relax because I couldn't hang out with friends or my boyfriend or anything. Uh, it's a lot. It's getting better now because uh, Know, um, less scared of traveling now that we're all vaccinated and uh, we have tests available and all that other stuff. So it's better now, but man, for that first year, it was definitely getting in my head. I feel like it got to a lot of people, really, because human beings in general, we just need to socialize. We just need to be able to talk to people. It feels really bad being lonely. And the internet is not always a very good substitute for that. It's, it's better to talk to someone in person it, it, as a general rule, I guess. I agree. So when... Yeah, you mentioned that the future is uncertain. So where do you see, like, uh, do you have, like, any particular set of, like, you have, like, a list of, like, I don't know, any dream opportunities or dream gigs? Like, who would you like to work for in the future? And just, yeah, talk about where do you expect everything going forward in the future? As far as, you know, your life, your 
work and just everything in general, what's going on with the world as it is right now. <laughs> yeah, well, the idea for my future is I'd really like to, I'm a big fan of passive income, honestly. I love the idea of just like not being stressed and knowing that like income is just coming in on its own. You don't have to worry about it, which is part of the reason why I like selling the digital comics because it just like will automatically be sent to them and that's nice. Uh, but yeah, for me personally, I'd love to honestly just grow Burning Star Comics to be bigger and bigger. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be including more people that I know, their comics, on the website to sell and get printed eventually. And they're excited to also be joining me. Granted, you know, all comics take a long time, so they will also take take their time until they're ready to have their comics up on the website. But I, I feel overall pretty hopeful for the future, for like growing this out a little bit further, seeing, uh, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew, of course, uh, because that'll never lead to something profitable, but take it one step at a time, get a little bit bigger, a little bit more ambitious year after year, and see what we can actually make out of Burning Star Comics to see if people would be uh, interested in continuing to be loyal customers and keep reading the stories that we've got there and uh, future stories that we will get there. So, yeah, ideally I'd like to be printing more, more of my comics and uh, I've been having fun also going to these fairs and they're like simple craft fairs or book fairs. You buy a table and then you get to set up all your books and sell them to people and get to meet and talk to different different faces, different people from all over the place. And I think that that's also a very good experience to be able to sell in person. I've also been able to like get my books into certain stores even despite the fact that I don't have an actual distributor, uh, you just, you know, you go up to these small business stores and you talk to them person to person and ask them, hey, you want to sell my book? And <laughs> that's just kind of how it works. It's, it's simple, but, you know, like I said, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. We'll keep it casual and just grow bit by bit and see where we can take this. But yeah, in the future, I would love to be doing comics full-time and actually be doing longer series than what I've done so far. And uh, hopefully, people will be interested enough to keep supporting those. So sorry about that. Um, can you repeat um, what you were saying earlier, <laughs> saying before? Well, basically, I was just saying uh, the, the main plan for the future is just trying to expand Burning Star Comics bit by bit and uh, trying to do comics full time and, uh, you know, hopefully getting a fan base that is uh, interested in buying whatever new stuff we put out there. That would be nice. <laughs> okay, dope. Yeah, 
And seems like going to these fairs and events must be a lot of fun for you. Um, at least you're you have the pleasure of getting to do something like those. Oh yeah, for sure. Would you like to do them more in the future? Definitely. Uh, we're me and my boyfriend. He he's also a writer himself, so we love to um, both go together into fairs and. We're also thinking about like doing a comic together where he'd be writing it and I'd be drawing it. So that would be also a, a good thing to put out to people to be like, hey, we both did this book. You want to buy it? <laughs> but yeah, we've we've had a, a lot of fun going to those fairs and uh, selling in person. And it feels a lot more personal that way. So I would definitely want to do more of those. Cool. Yeah. So, um... What are some of the other plants that you have going on that you're cooking up? Um, any other upcoming projects that we can look forward to? Any future videos, topics, ideas that we can expect to see from you, my fair lady? <laughs> yeah, well, the big thing that I know a lot of people were looking forward to was uh, Sonic City Witch Issue 2, which is coming out at the end of this summer, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan. Uh, so I know that people were anticipating the second issue for a year now, and uh, that'll be coming out soon. The artist has been working super hard on that one, and I'm very proud of the stuff that he's been putting out. And uh, after that, I'm kind of tossing these two different comics that are both about equally as done. So I can either be doing, I mean, either way, I'll be putting out a fantasy comic, but I could either be doing this one comic idea that I have had for a while that's more so a dark fantasy, or, so, or do this comic that uh, I've been working on with my boyfriend, who is the writer. And that's more of a light-hearted fantasy action comedy. And so, kind of tossing back both of those ideas, but I'll commit to one of them, and uh, I'll have that out by the end of the year for sure. It'll also be a longer story than the issues have been. So it'll be more of a, maybe like 60 to 80 pages. So... It'll be, a, it'll be a good lengthy story, and we'll have a satisfying ending, no matter what. So, I, uh, those are things to look forward to in the future. And I've wanted to do some more fantasy stuff for a while, so I'll be excited no matter what I do at the end of the year. Yeah. Here's a fun question. What's something interesting or fun about yourself that um, not many people know about you? Any fun facts, or? Trivia. Oh my. Interesting or fun about myself. Um. Mm, mm, I'm trying to think of some like hidden talent I might have. <laughs> but I think that all I really, all I've really got is like out there for the world to see. <laughs> um. Oh no, what if I'm not interesting and fun? Uh, I guess one thing I could say 
is um me and my boyfriend used to run these D and D campaigns. I don't know, is that interesting and or fun? <laughs> some people are into D and D, and some people just kind of see it as like this super old nerdy thing that is for making fun of. But uh, yeah. I, I don't think many people who meet me would expect me to ever be bold enough to play a role-playing game. So, I guess maybe that's interesting. So, I'm guessing he got you into D&D, &D, if that's going to be the story of how you got into it. Was it through your boyfriend <laughs> who got you into it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Seeing a lot of people are D&D &D fanatics, um, have you seen, do you watch Critical Role or seen like the new animated show that is out now? I have not seen the show, but we we did used to watch Critical Role together, like the the live streams. There's definitely been a lot of funny moments on on that show. Yeah, um, a lot of really great voice actors are on there. Um, yeah, Matt Mercer and his team are just yeah incredibly delightful. They make they run some very funny campaigns. Um, so watch Critical Role today. <laughs> just something I need to remind myself because yeah, oof. I think at this point I'm like way behind with the whole critical role craze. <laughs> um, I mean, like it's a very, it's a long. I mean, like I'm not, I'm not saying that it's very long, but like I mean, the campaigns are like very long. Like I think they're like three, four hours long, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have that type of that time right now, but yeah, I'll catch up to it someday, eventually. Yeah. yeah, it's like something to have on in the background while you're, like, drawing your own stuff, if you're me. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I, can't, I don't think I can even ask, what are some of your favorite episodes or campaigns from it? Because, like, it's a... there's a lot. <laughs> there definitely is a lot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, if we do, like, a separate Critical Role podcast, we would ask... We would just talk about it, like, pretty much all day long. But, um, alas, we are, unfortunately of time so any last piece of advice do you have do you have for anyone out there who wants to give anything like they want to uh, spread their wings and uh tap into their like potential and just share it for all of the world to see so any last piece of advice out there to anybody um you know, who wants to give these creative endeavors a shot and anybody who's struggling in the midst of these pandemic um time period <laughs> these weird times that we're living in and yeah just some some last piece of advice that you have before we wrap this up for today yeah i would say to most people to just keep at it put in the time whatever you want to do commit to it do the research be smart about it you know set goals for yourself and if you just keep at it you can do it so don't get demotivated no matter like what people say you gotta you gotta figure it out for yourself and uh don't be afraid of criticism and yeah, you can do it anything's possible for a human <laughs> that's fair and like you said the future is uncertain so it's like hey just do it yeah just do it future hole so just just do it <laughs> yeah 
I mean, I know you've talked about where do you see the future of just everything going on, but yeah, so where do I see it? I have no idea either, but hey. Um, hoping it'll be good. It may be good, it may be bad, but I'm just living each day. I'm just, you know, going <laughs> wherever, you know, um, every day takes me. Just living each day one s slow, small step at a time, pretty much. That's how you gotta do that's, that's it. That's the best way to live. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how we roll around here. So yeah, um, you can share your socials and just self-promote everything that you're active on so people can stop. I mean, um, follow you. I mean, um, check out to see how much of a cool person you actually are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me uh, with the username DanFan at um, on almost anything. Uh, I think it's at Trisha Kafari on Twitter. You can find me on YouTube as DanFan, and uh, of course you can check out the website BurningStarComics.net if you wanted to go check out my other comics. Oh, and do you have any last words, like any final farewells, goodbyes, or just anything quirky or fun you want to say to the audience out there? Have a fun life audience <laughs> go out there and have some fun <laughs> great um and i usually i also do this for like um for some of the guests not all the time but like i have the guests say hi my name is name of the guest and i do this 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 and this and this and you're listening to the station square podcast oh okay um should i be using my like username or real name <laughs> Any way you like, whenever you're ready, whatever is cool, or whatever you're comfortable with. Hi, my name is Dan Fan, and you're look. Eh, damn, I already messed it up. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dan Fan, and you're listening to the Station Square podcast. Yeah, that's really good. That's cool. Um, and. Uh, they usually list stuff, what they do, and just, you may know me for blah, 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 and yeah, then they say you're listening to the podcast. I got you, I got you. Uh, hi, my name is Dan Fan. I'm a comic creator and YouTuber, and you're listening to the Station Square podcast. Oh, let's use that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are wrapping up for today. So if you'd like to check out more episodes, um, definitely check out all of my social media links in the description. Um, I'm at MysticIRJ on Twitter. Um, pretty much known as Robert Jackson anywhere. It's really not that hard to find me. So, um, uh, yeah, SoundCloud, Anchor, YouTube, all of this will be up uploaded um, sometime. If not today, then definitely tomorrow. So be sure to stay tuned and keep up to date on all of my socials. And um, everybody has a great day. Have a fantastic um, life ahead of you. And I shall see you all next time. This is Robert Jackson signing out. And until then... Have a good day, folks. Have a day. Have a night. Peace.